It's uh, the 5th of October, 2008. We are looking at the uh, study of Galatians, the epistle to the Galatians, um, grafted in. And this is lesson one, a discussion on uh, lesson one. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you for uh, your servants who recorded it for us, Father, who uh, wrote these words down. We thank you that they have application to us and will always have application to us in every day, uh, in every year, Father, in every age. And we thank you that you have blessed us with clear instructions and a revelation of your uh, righteousness. Father, we ask that you might prepare our hearts as we study and that we might uh, be blessed as we know that you have uh, offered a blessing to those who will uh, engross themselves in the study of your word, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of your Torah. Please, Lord, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Lord, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has selected us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, Lord, giver of the Torah. May the Lord bless you and safeguard you. May the Lord illuminate his countenance for you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and establish peace for you. These are the precepts which have no prescribed measure, the corner of a field which must be left for the poor, the first fruit offering, the pilgrimage, Acts of kindness and Torah study. These are the precepts whose fruit a person enjoys in this world, but whose principle remains intact for him in the world to come. They are the honor due to a father and mother, acts of kindness, early attendance at the house of study, morning and evening, hospitality to guests, visiting the sick, providing for a bride, escorting the dead, absorption in prayer, bringing peace between man and his fellow, and the study of Torah is equivalent to them all. Uh, I trust that uh, we've had an opportunity to go over some of the things in, uh, in Lesson 1 in, uh, in the preparation for our discussion, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, some of that was enlightening. What we're looking at today is uh, Israel's calling, the calling of Israel. This is from Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That's Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Uh, a few questions uh, that we had at the beginning of this lesson, and uh, here they are. Uh, why did God choose Israel as his chosen people? Um, did God plan always to include Israel? Did, it, did his plan always include Gentiles? Is there a distinction between Jew and Gentile? And why is Christianity the Gentile religion, and why is Biblical Judaism the Jewish religion? Uh, hopefully you came up with additional questions. As you were doing your study and as you were looking things up, maybe you, uh, maybe you had additional questions, and uh, certainly there's an opportunity for us to research uh, answers to questions. Uh, if you go on our website, bereansonline.org, uh, under, uh, um, under the page for 
the study of Galatians. There's a link uh, there uh, for uh, questions and answers. If you'll email me uh, questions, uh, we'll spend some time researching and we'll put uh, questions that have common uh, answers that other people might be interested in. We'll put those online as we've already put a few up there already. Um, let's talk about this uh, massive influx of Gentiles. We did some historical uh, background. We, uh, we looked through and went through some of the historical background on this uh, book um, of Galatians. And one of the things that we looked at was, uh, what, was uh, what was the what was going on in the first century with regard to Gentiles and the worship of the God of Israel? Uh, Josephus records there was a massive influx of, uh, of Gentiles into Judaism in the time up to and including the first century. Um, after the first century, there are other forces at work, uh, which we saw at the, uh, in, in 70 of the Common Era with the destruction of the Temple and uh, a, uh, a large uh, part of the population of Jerusalem and Judea were, were exterminated. Uh, and then in, the, uh, in 132 through 135 of the Common Era, we saw in the Second Jewish War, we in fact saw the, uh, the eventual expulsion of all Jews from the land. So there was, there was clearly a, 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 a diminished uh, uh, influx of Gentiles into Judaism during those periods. But prior to that, there was a massive influx uh, here's what Josephus records. Uh, this is on page 9 of the workbook. Uh, this is Josephus uh, in his Against Appion, uh, his work Against Appion, uh, chapter 240. Nay, further, the multitude of mankind itself have had a great inclination of a long time to follow our religious observances. For there is not any city of the Grecians, nor any of the barbarians, nor any nation whatsoever, whither our custom of resting on the seventh day hath not come. Uh, as, as a note here, by the way, this is, this is exactly what we see in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul, uh, in fact, finding, finding as he's traveling throughout the Roman world in the, in the provinces, uh, in Asia Minor, in, in Greece, uh, one would assume also in Rome, is, uh, and, and possibly Spain, that he would, he would have, in, he, he always sought out a place where people would come to, to pray on the, on the Sabbath, on the Shabbat. Uh, so here, here, here's what is, uh, continuing with what Josephus says. A custom of resting on the seventh day hath not come, by which our fasts and lighting of, up lamps, and many of our prohibitions as to food, as to our food, are not observed. They also endeavor to imitate our mutual concord with one another and the charitable distribution of our goods and our diligence in our trades and our fortitude in undergoing the distress we are in on account of the laws and what is here, what, and what, and what is here matter of the greatest admiration. Our law hath no bait of pleasure to allure men to it, but it prevails by its own force. And as God himself pervades all the world, so, our, so hath our law passed through all the worlds also. And that's, again, from Flavius Josephus against Appion. Um, what we see in this is, is Paul, or excuse me, uh, is Josephus discussing the fact that, that wherever anyone goes, anywhere in the known world, uh, you can find people not only practicing uh, Judaism, but you can find people trying to imitate it as well. And what is it that he says? It is it because he says it's not because the law has no bait of pleasure to allure men to it. In other words, uh, there's nothing there's nothing uh, that satisfies uh, the, the the flesh in the keeping of the law, but rather it has its own force. God Himself, it says, He says, pervades all the world. 
and and he does this, and and people find great attraction uh, to Judaism through, in fact, this spreading of the law, the Torah. And and what's interesting in this is that at the same time as as we read the same period of time that we read Josephus writing this, we can read of the philosopher uh, Seneca, the Roman philosopher Seneca, who actually says the opposite with regard to the Jewish people. How, in fact, they're a strange cult. And, in fact, they are so worthy of disdain from society. Uh, we see this same thing as, as, a, as a form of... Um, of disdain, especially on certain practices such as Judaism. You know, the, the Roman and Greek love of the human form. Uh, to them, uh, circumcision was in fact a form of mutilation and it was a, it was a disgusting practice in, 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 their, in their minds. It's interesting that so many Gentiles during this period were drawn to Judaism in spite of the fact that it was such a despised religion. Uh, and uh, even though it had special status under Roman law, uh, namely for monetary reasons, tax reasons on the part of the Romans, it still was greatly despised. Um, during the Second temp- Temple period, this, this issue of this massive influx of Gentiles had to be dealt with in, 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 in certain ways. We're going to talk about some more of those later on. But just, just so that you know how important, how big a deal this was, you know, archaeological information now has, has revealed uh, to the extent, uh, you know, we, we, have the, we have the actual uh, parts of the Soreg wall, the wall, the, the, the short wall that separated the, the parts of the, uh, the Holy Temple and the Second Temple period uh, the, the, the court of the Gentiles from the actual uh, temple itself where Gentiles were threatened by, by threat of death that they could not cross over into the temple itself. And yet if you were to look at, the, uh, look at a diagram of where the Soreg was and archaeological information now tells us the size of the Soreg in relationship to the Temple Mount. In fact, the Temple Mount is massive and the area uh, around, uh, around Solomon's portico uh, and to the north and to the south as well of the Temple Mount were reserved for women and Gentiles were free, to, free, to, free in that area. Um, the Hulda Gates uh, went from the south, uh, the south of the, the Temple Mount wall uh, straight up underground, straight into uh, the court of the Gentiles. This is where all of the pilgrims would go. This is where everyone would pass through the court of the Gentiles to actually enter the temple. Uh, this massive area reserved uh, where Gentiles were kept out was obviously a place of great, uh, uh, great uh, population and worship during the Second Temple period. It was something of great concern to Jewish people uh, because of the number of Gentiles. Now, when we say this, we have to also remember, we're going to get into this in depth, but we also have to remember, those Gentiles who had gone through ritual conversion, or the shorthand would have been called circumcision, uh, ritual conversion, we're going to talk about the details of what ritual conversion to, to Judaism was like in the, second, in, in the uh, second Temple period. But Gentiles who had gone through ritual conversion were no longer considered Gentiles. They were permitted inside the Soreg. They were permitted all the way into where any uh, normal Jew, having gone through the necessary uh, uh, purification uh, acts, was permitted to offer offerings or whatever else. They were considered to be Jewish, even though they had no genetic tie to to, uh, the Jewish people. They were considered to be just as if they were genetically Jewish. It became, and we're going to look at it in depth in the next few weeks, but they became uh, not just religious 
religiously Jews, they became ethnically Jews. Uh, in, the, in the Second Temple period, we're going to see this confusion between ethnicity and religion. Uh, prior to the Second Temple, of course, it was only Jude being Jewish was only a matter of ethnicity. Uh, go to John chapter 4, verse 19. John chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, this occurrence takes place uh, during, uh, during uh, Yeshua's ministry uh, in the land. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 19. He's passing through Samaria. Now, Samaria, after the, second, after the uh, Babylonian captivity, uh, the, uh, became a place where there, was, there were basically what were called half-Jews. The Samaritans were... Uh, were a mixture. They were not. Uh, they were not. In some people's minds, they were not real Jews. They were not ethnic Jews. Uh, of course, that could be debated. But uh, the point is that, as far as the as far as the uh, the apostolic scriptures are recording uh, for us, the um, the Samaritans were were not considered Jews at that time. So this this discussion of of Yeshua at the uh, at the well in Samaria with the woman at the well in Samaria uh, is within that context. He passed through a Gentile area because it was the quickest way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Chapter 4 of John, verse 19 through 27. The woman uh, said to him, and this is, uh, this is after he is... Uh, let me go back up to verse... Uh, um, Go back up to verse ten, just to set the stage. Just to set the stage. Actually, verse six, just to set the stage here. Now Jacob's well was there. Speaking of in Samaria, Yeshua therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Yeshua said to her, "Give me a drink." Uh, now this would have been, as we're going to see, uh, this would have been uh, highly, highly uh, against protocol. We're going to see why that is in the next few weeks as we study. Skipping down now to verse uh, 19, the woman, the Samaritan woman speaking of, the woman said to him, Sir, I, have, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And she's speaking of Mount Gerizim, which is right there at, uh, at Shechem, uh, modern day um, uh, Nablus. This mountain and you... Uh, Jews say that it is in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Uh, Yeshua said to her, and she was speaking of the temple, Yeshua said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true followers, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Uh, and here he says, salvation is of the Jews. What is this idea of salvation being of the Jews? Um, and it, in, in, in reading this, we can, we can see somehow not only that this settling of, an, of a dispute between the Samaritans and the Jews, Yeshua t taking sides in that dispute, but rather that he is alluding to the very purpose, the very purpose for Israel. Salvation is of the Jews. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And this is after uh, Adam and uh, Eve, uh, Adam and Chava, have sinned um, by disobeying God's instructions. And... Uh, God is uh, now speaking, uh, and the serpent also is, is here in this discussion. Uh, chapter 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said 
to the serpent. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He, speaking of the seed, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first, uh, this is the first promise. This first promise to the, of the seed is actually sp- spoken to the serpent. Uh, this seed that would somehow bruise the head of the serpent, uh, the seed that would have enmity between the serpent uh, and uh, between uh, the serpent and the seed. Who is this seed? The seed of the woman. I go to chapter uh, 12 of Genesis, verse 1. By the way, there is there is a there is a hint also in chapter nine to this seed and it being extended uh, uh, through uh, through the tents of Shem. But go to, go to chapter twelve, specifically chapter twelve, verse one. We see this blessing continued. Now the Lord said to Ab- Ab- Abram, "Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great." and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in, your, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Speaking about being in Abram. And, and we're going to see later on, Abraham, his chain, name is changed to Abraham. And uh, this um, blessing for, for uh, uh, Abram and all the nations would be blessed through him. We get the specifics of that blessing. Uh, in the seed, go to Genesis chapter 15. This is the occurrence of the covenant, the covenant of the parts, as it is called in Judaism, the covenant of the parts, where in fact God makes covenant with Ab- Abram, and uh, and in in detailing that covenant, he actually uh, goes back and mentions the seed again. Um, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Verse 2 there, uh, in an English Bible, it says Lord in uh, normal uh, caps, uh, and then God in all caps. Most Bibles will have it there so that it would be Lord God or God is in all caps. What it's telling you, the translators are telling you that there's actually something beneath these English words that can't be accurately described in, in English in the normal, uh, in the normal uh, um, way of representing God's name. Uh, Lord is Adonai there uh, and uh, Adoni. Uh, and uh, God is, is in fact the four-letter name, the holy personal name of God. And this is a, a very important point. This is a combination uh, when it says, uh, when these two words are used in conjunction together, it is a combination that has significance, uh, covenant significance. Uh, you can follow all of the usages of these words. You're going to see them again when we get to Second Samuel uh, with a covenant with David. This is a very important thing. You're going to see it in the prophets oftentimes especially when God is reminding Israel of its covenant love and its covenant responsibility to Israel. So anytime you see that in English, you need to pay attention 
that there is something uh, of covenant significance being being mentioned here. And verse 2 again, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing as I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? It's as if Abraham is in fact saying here, uh, what, what, what about our covenant that, 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 that you said I would be blessed? Um, certainly Abraham knows more than, we're, we're being, than we've been told so far ourselves as to what God has told him. Verse 3, Then Abram said, then Abram said, Look, uh, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And, and he's, he, he's, speaking, uh, he's speaking of someone other than uh, from, his, uh, from his own uh, flesh. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And that's plural. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Uh, this, this promised seed was to be a, uh, was to be a um, descendant, a physical descendant of uh, Abraham. Skipping lo- down in, in, uh, in chapter 15, continuing in chapter 15, um, uh, go to verse uh, 13. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers, and that's the plural, will be strangers, uh, uh, sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years, and also the nation whom they serve. I will judge, and he's speaking about uh, Egypt, I will judge, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Uh, now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they, will, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass. Uh, I guess that's, that's as far as we need to read there. Um, this idea that his seed... Uh, and, and Paul makes a, a, a drosh on this. Paul uh, makes a drosh on this. We're going to see later on in our study. This idea that seed is plural. And it actually makes a... Or descendants is plural. And he makes a drosh saying... Uh, he talks about it as being singular as well. This promised seed is the seed... The promised seed from the garden. Now we see this promised seed is specifically not just from a woman... Chava uh, or from women... Uh, but now is extended to Abraham. And from Abraham himself. So we've narrowed the band of where God's promised seed will come from. Go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. This is before. This is before uh, Isaac is born. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And it says, Then Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Excuse me, Abram, and said to him, I am Almighty God, um, El Shaddai. Uh, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Now, notice he's doing another covenant. Uh, is this a replacement of the previous covenant? Of course, we'd say no. God doesn't replace covenants with covenants. He expands his covenants. Uh, he expands his covenants in every time. So he's making a covenant, but he's defining, he's redefining, not not replacing 
but re-stipulating what his obligations will be. And I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham or Avraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, a sojourner, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Uh, It's always important to recognize, beginning in Genesis chapter 15, extended through all, all of the promises to, to Abraham, that it is never just the promise of a seed, but that it is the promise of a seed and a land. And many nations will come from him. What we recognize is that uh, Abraham, our father, was given the promise of a seed and a land. We're going to talk about who the seed is, but the land is very obvious. It's that land. It's clearly defined. It's still there. It's visible with your eyes. If you want to know exactly what God promised, you can see it. The seed, we could debate, and, other pe- and people often have. But no one can debate where the land is. It's that land. Uh, continuing in verse, uh, verse 9, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, throughout your, their generations, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male child in your generations and he who is born in your house or or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant in other words, it's not just the people who were uh, genetically Jewish, or, uh, or rather is Israelite, but even those who were uh, slaves and servants. Uh, verse 13, He who is born in your house, and he who is bought with your money, must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Brit Olam. This is a eternal covenant. And the circumcised male, verse 14, and the circumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings and peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, talk about Sarah laughing later on in chapter 18, here Abraham laughs and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Well, that's a difficulty, that's true, but here's more important. And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Uh, later on we're going to read, Sarah was uh, actually beyond the ability to have children. Specifically, she, her menstrual cycle had ceased and had long since stopped. Verse 18, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. What Abraham was really, truly Ishmael's father. Ishmael was truly his son. Came from his flesh. Just as God had promised in in chapter 15 and chapter 12 that it would be one from his flesh, uh, Abraham had taken taken that into account and had produced a child of his own flesh. Was that what Abraham was asking for? Why not 
Why not, why not Ishmael? Then God said, in verse 19, Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, uh, or laughter. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, with his descendants after them. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful, will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. So not just Abraham, not just Abraham, from Abraham was to come this seed, this promised blessing, but through Sarah. And now he specifically named him. Isaac will be the son. So now we've seen this blessing going from just being from a woman uh, to just now being from Abraham. Uh, in chapter 9, we would say just from being uh, from, the tr- from, uh, from the descendant of Noah, from Shem's descendants, but now from Abraham, who's a descendant of Shem. And now not just from Abraham, but specifically through Abraham and Sarah. And now it's now named through Isaac. So the promise passed now to Isaac. Go to uh, chapter 26, verse 1. Uh, This is now the blessing to Isaac. Chapter 26, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 5. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of uh, Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For you and your descendants, I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants. He's he's not, notice again, he's not starting a new covenant. Uh, He's in fact expanding the covenant uh, to include specifically Isaac. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, there it is again, all the nations shall be blessed. Not just Abraham's seed, now Isaac's seed. Because Abraham, and he tells us why. This is very important. This is uh, something that's sometimes difficult for people to wrap their minds around when they consider that God is a God of grace. He chooses by grace. But here he says, Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So God tells us specifically now uh, that it's through Isaac uh, go to chapter 26. Uh, uh, later on, we're going to see, uh, by, uh, basically, uh, with, in chapter 26, we're going to see uh, uh, this blessing to Isaac, and specifically, we're going to see it being, being uh, through Rebekah, his wife. And in fact, one of the reasons why uh, Abimelech, uh, uh, Isaac pulls a fast one on Abimelech, uh, he's afraid for his life, so obviously he, he uh, does not speak the truth with regard to Rebekah, his wife, and uh, one of the reasons why Abimelech is, in fact, uh, receives curses is because um, God is preserving the uh, the sanctity, uh, the exclusivity of Rebekah uh, for Isaac, so that the offspring of Rebekah, who will be Jacob and uh, Esau, are in fact not not to be doubted as to who their their uh, father's father is. Uh, so now we see it's not just through Isaac, but also through Rebekah. Go to chapter 27 of Genesis, verse 26. 27, verse 26. And here it says. Then his father Isaac said to him, and he's speaking to Jacob. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come now, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son, he thinks this is Esau, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord hath 
has blessed. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. And here it is. This is, the, this is the blessing of Abraham, that Isaac now is mistakenly... Uh, he, actually, it's not mistakenly that God always intended it this way, but Isaac thinks he's giving this to Esau, and in fact, he's giving this blessing to Jacob. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. So the blessing is extended through Jacob, and only through Jacob. Go to Numbers chapter 24. This is alluded to in Numbers chapter 24 as well. In Numbers chapter 24, verse uh, verse 3, Numbers 24, verse 3 says, Then, this is, this is uh, Balaam, who's looking down, uh, the Balaam, the pagan, the pagan uh, wizard, looking down on the, on the people of God encamped, uh, encamped below him. Uh, he's been taken up to curse them. Then an oracle, uh, then he took up his oracle and said, and obviously he's not able to curse them, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. Matovu is the song we sing as we enter the synagogue. Your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, who had hired uh, uh, Balaam to uh, Balaam to uh, curse them. And his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down and lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Here it is. Blessed is he who blesses you. And cursed is he who curses you. Uh, we see this blessing of Abraham, again now, specifically uh, extended to all of the tribes of Israel, the sons of Jacob, all twelve. Um, go, through, uh, go to Genesis chapter 49. Uh, we're going to see here the blessing extended through the, through the, uh, through the descendants of uh, Jacob, uh, through Leah, uh, now, God is blessing all 12 tribes. Uh, all 12 tribes in Numbers chapter 24 are being blessed, receiving that blessing of Abraham. But in Genesis 49, we find something very peculiar. It's not just all the 12 tribes. There's something else. There's a fur- further narrowing of the, the, the source of the seed. Uh, this is where the rabbis uh, continue to, to uh, recognize, the sages of Israel continue to recognize that God has not just chosen Israel, but he has promised a, a one, a seed, uh, through a specific line through the 12 tribes. Genesis 49, verse 8 through 12. Judah, and this is, Judah is, uh, is the descendant of, uh, of um, uh, Jacob, Yaakov, and Leah. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver, a chakak, a giver of uh, chokim, uh, a chokot, from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. 
And the blessing continues there. But here we see this, and as the sages of Israel recognize, this is in fact a messianic promise. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. Uh, and some of the sages recognize Shiloh as a, as a word or as a name for Messiah himself. The seed is now extended, uh, is further narrowed rather from, uh, not only from a seed of woman, not only from uh, a seed of, uh, uh, from, from Shem, not only from Abraham, not only from Abraham, but also through Sarah, not only through, through Sarah's uh, and Abraham's offspring, Isaac, but Isaac, not only all of Isaac's children, but specifically through Jacob, his, 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 uh, not through Esau, Jacob only now, narrowed even further through, uh, the, th- through a descendant of Judah. Go to 2 Samuel, verse 7. This descendant of Judah is now uh, um, clearly identified, and in that clear identification, there is a, uh, there is a, uh, a, ex- a, a further delineation, a further description of this special covenant that God is making with Israel through the seed. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verse 5. And we're going to see this name of God being used again. Uh, verse 5 says, 2 Samuel, 12, uh, 2 Samuel 7, verse 5. And, and, and in this, uh, uh, earlier in this passage, um, um, David, David is lamenting the fact that he has the Ark of the Covenant um, inside a tent uh, as, as the tabernacle uh, was had been previously but basically uh, he lives in a nice house with cedar and, and, and yet uh, the Ark of the Covenant is someplace that's temporary and so he, he bemoans this fact and he's, he's worried about not having a house for God and, and God speaking through Nathan the prophet tells David this this begins in verse 5 go tell my servant David by the way David is a descendant of Judah he is, he is uh, from the tribe of Judah thus says the Lord would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time when I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but I have moved about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have ye not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus says you, Thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from, the following, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you uh, wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and I will dwell in a place of their And I will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, as the Lord tells you, that he will make you a house. David says, I want to make the Lord a house. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to make you a house. And he's speaking in the same way we do in English. A house is a family, uh, not simply a a building, although it could be a building as well. David wants to make the Lord a building, and the Lord says, I'm going to make you a family. Uh, Or a dynasty. Chapter uh, 7 of 2 Samuel, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I I will set up your seed after you. You 
who will who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And he's speaking specifically there of Solomon. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And this is the uh, this is the reason why the sages of Israel recognized that it was that that Messiah, the say, the, the seed that was promised. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3 and throughout Genesis, the seed that was promised would be the descendant of David, a son of David. In all of that list of all those people we've been going through, who uh, um, and for what reason were they chosen? Who was chosen? Uh, notice all the lists. We have all these people chosen uh, that, that God would extend his blessing. Of that list, you'll find that Abraham was the one that believed, chapter 12, verse 3. Abraham believed and it was, it was a credit, it was merited to him for righteousness. And in chapter 26, we see that God specifically tells Isaac that the reason that he chose Abraham was because he had given himself wholly to him, that he, was, that he, was, uh, that he believed and he obeyed. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verse 6. Uh, so now we know salvation's of the Jews. There's, uh, and most people, they, they would have uh, no difficulty with recognizing this. Uh, they, oh, sure. Uh, after all, Jesus was Jewish. We understand that. So salvation's of the Jews. Uh, but why specifically did God choose Israel as his chosen people? Was it only to be uh, the, the, the paternity for the Messiah? Uh, go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. The answer to that, by the way, you're turning is no. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 6. There's a lot revealed in the Torah regarding God's purpose in choosing Israel. Verse, chapter 7, verse 6 of Deuteronomy. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. They've been set apart. They're His. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love on you nor choose you because you are more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath that he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him, and keep his commandments. Um, we see here that, that in fact, um, the purpose for choosing Israel was because God promised specifically to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God chose Israel because he made promises to the fathers. God chose Israel because he said he would, he would do this to, uh, when he spoke specifically and promised, made covenant promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Go to Isaiah chapter 41. We can find some of the purpose, some of the purpose or the duty that is laid out by choosing Israel. Uh, certainly Israel has not been faithful in, in measuring up or, or earning that status of being chosen. Uh, none of us could ever possibly 
could possibly earn the status of being chosen. And yet, God has not, not withdrawn his promises to the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8 says, But you, Israel, are my servant. Okay, it's important to remember uh, that through Isaiah chapters 40 through uh, uh, 55, actually through 60 even, uh, we, we recognize that the servant here is being named. But you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen. Okay, the descendants of Jacob. Those who want to play games with the name Israel, you need to recognize when he says Jacob, he's very speaking very specifically. Descendants, physical descendants of Jacob. But you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen. The descendants of Abraham, my friend. It's because it's the descendants of Abraham, his friend. Go to chapter 42, verse 1 of Isaiah. Chapter 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant, whom I upheld, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. Okay? I have put my spirit upon him. I will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Who's he speaking of? Israel? Uh, the heading in my Bible, my English Bible, has the servant of the Lord over chapter 42. Is he speaking of Israel? Now he's defined in chapter 41, his servant is Israel. So he's speaking of Israel. Israel's going to do what? He's put his spirit on him. He's, put, he's, he's going to bring forth justice to the Gentiles. It's in whom his soul delights. Now I go to verse, uh, chapter 42 of Isaiah, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and I will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of Israel, his servant. Israel, his servant. Chosen as a light to the Gentiles. Israel is to be a light to the Gentiles. Go to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. Chapter 49, verse 6 says, Indeed, he says, he's speaking, the Almighty is speaking. Indeed, he says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel? Now, wait a minute. My servant here, I thought the servant was Israel. It is, is it, too, it, is, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Israel, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, rather. So, that doesn't really fit here that Israel is is my servant. Let's continue reading. To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that, sh- that, you, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Uh, this, who is this servant? Uh, is it Israel? Uh, by the way, if you continue to read throughout Isaiah, uh, beginning in chapter 40 all, all the way through, you begin to see that this chosen one, this servant, this constant rec- uh, recognition of the servant seems to switch between a collective Israel, that is the nation of Israel, and an individual. And what we recognize is that, in fact, the servant of Israel is Messiah. Or, excuse me, the servant of, of, of the Lord is Messiah. It's Israel. The chief representative for Israel is Messiah. He's the king. The king of Israel is Messiah. And as the servant... Uh, as the king of Israel, he represents the servant uh, of the Lord as well. So Israel is the servant, and as the chief representative for Israel, Messiah is the servant. Uh, it's why when, uh, when Jewish people read Isaiah 53, they have no difficulty. When I speak of Jewish people, I'm speaking of those who do not necessarily know Messiah's name. Uh, um, 
when they read Isaiah 53, I have no difficulty at all saying that, uh, well, this is speaking of Israel. It's not speaking of, it's not speaking of Jesus. It's speaking of Israel. Well, they're right. It's speaking of, it is speaking of Israel. Uh, but we also know that it's speaking of Messiah, Yeshua. And the reason we know that is because Messiah is, in fact, the chief representative for Israel. He's the king. He's the king. Um, how, is it, how is it that God was going to use Israel as a light to the Gentiles? How is he going to draw the Gentiles, as we saw when we opened up this lesson, discussing, uh, discussing uh, the idea that this great influx of Gentiles into Judaism? How did he do that? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Uh, the greatest testimony, uh, the greatest testimony, the greatest witness that anyone can ever give to the truth that Messiah, Yeshua, has in fact come to redeem those who are lost. The greatest testimony is to be a light. Uh, we, a light to the Gentiles is what Israel is called. Yeshua said in chapter 5 of, of, of Matthew, Let your light so shine before men. What is that light? And he says that your good works may be seen and your Father in heaven is glorified. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 1 says, now, it, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land. And the, This was their promise, right? Uh, and the Lord God of your fathers, which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Baor. For the Lord your God has destroyed from among the people all the men who followed Baal of Baor. But you, who held fast to the Lord your God, are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, Moses is speaking, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Verse 6. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. And it's talking about the nations, not Israel itself. Who will hear of these great statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon Him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Here, here we see this... this uh, um, actually, let me... That's the, through verse 8, excuse me. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let me, let me read what, uh, what Yeshua said instead of paraphrasing. Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. says, actually go up to verse uh, 13. You are the salt of the earth. He's speaking of his disciples. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. shall be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, what is... What are good works? What's the definition of good works? Is it helping the little old lady across the street? Surely that, that is a good work. Um, 
but he names them for us. And he immediately says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law, the Torah, or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, uh, one jot or one tittle will by no means from the law, will by, uh, will, will by no means from the law, till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever te- does and teaches them, shall be called great, in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what is it that draws the nations to Israel? What is it that drew them? Look, what did Josephus say? They see our law. They, we see that they see the Torah. They see us as living faithfully by the Torah. And it draws us. It draws the nations to us. Go to Isaiah chapter 2. This was prophesied of. The prophets prophesied this repeatedly. Isaiah does in chapter 2. And Micah uh, uh, repeats the same prophecy. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. Go to verse 1. That the word, the word that Isaiah the son of uh, Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountain, speaking of Jerusalem, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Uh, this is the prophecy that, that this is a, a partial fulfillment of the prophecy that, that Josephus is recognizing all nations shall flow to it many people shall come and say come let us go to the mountain of the Lord go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Obviously, this is uh, not completely fulfilled. But what is this? What is it that draws them? You know, people say, "Let's go up to the mountain of the Lord." What is it that draws them? The Torah. The Torah draws them. Go to Isaiah chapter fifty-five. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. By the way, if you don't like uh, looking up scriptures, you won't like this study. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. And we'll read through uh, Isaiah 55, through 1 through verse 5. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for, for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Decline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people. Speaking of David and a leader and a commander for the people surely you shall call a nation surely you shall call a nation you do not know and nations who do not know shall run to you because the lord your god and the holy one of israel for he has glorified you because of david yes david this is uh, this is the uh, the blessing of messiah through through david his servant now, this name David is given to Messiah, son of David. This is speaking specifically of Messiah. Some messianic promises. And it says, Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and the nations you do not know shall run to you, because the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. 
It is the living Torah, the Messiah, the sure mercies of David, that blessed one who is promised in, in 2 Samuel, out of, your, out of you and the, and the descendant, a, you will never lack for a king to sit on the throne of David, 2 Samuel chapter 7. He is the one who draws all nations. So the Torah and the living Torah are what draw. Go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And we'll begin in verse uh, 42. We'll go through verse 50. Acts 13, 42 through 50. This says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, and this is, uh, this is in... Uh, um, uh, this is in Asia Minor that uh, that Paul is is uh, is is speaking at. Paul and Barnabas are in uh, Antioch, um, the other Antioch. <laughs> so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and, and devout proselytes, those who had been converted uh, to Judaism, uh, followed Paul and Barnabas who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue with the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, among almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and con- uh, con- uh, contradicted and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was, ne- it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of the everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. So the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for, sa- for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the, wor- the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women of the chief and chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them, and came to Iconium. And the disciples uh, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I read through verse 52. Uh, what, what we see here in this in this uh, in this occurrence here, um, when uh, when in fact they're they're in uh, speaking at uh, uh, Antioch uh, Pisidia, we see that Paul is uh, is immediately they're they're enthralled with what he says. Notice, uh, by the way, we talked about answered a question on the website regarding the Jews here that that uh, that in fact. Um, they were filled with envy, and they were they persecuted them. It's very careful. Be very careful in recognizing that uh, that um, um, that in fact there was Jews in verse 43. It says Jews and devout proselytes follow Paul and Barnabas and speak to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So obviously it's not all the Jews here, the area that are against them, but it's only the, uh, some of the leadership that are in fact jealous. Why were why were they doing this? And why would the Gentiles find this to be such good news? What's so what's so attractive to this message? That they're, that they're giving here. And here it is. Gentiles were already attracted to the true God. Uh, they, you know, they saw, they saw the laws that God had given to his people. They saw that they were good. That, 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 it, that, it, that they provided for, uh, they provided for a, a kind and just society. And they were drawn to the God that gives such good laws. They hear this good news now. They're, they're drawn. And they hear this good news that they can be justified to be a part of the covenant community. Not because they go through a ritual that makes them genetically Jews, as some would say, 
but rather that simply because they, they are justified in the work of Messiah. Uh, this is something that ritual Judaism couldn't even, couldn't even provide. Yeah, even the ritual Jews, even though they, they proselytes, even though they could go into, uh, when I say uh, those who had converted by ritual conversion to Judaism, the proselytes, who, who, even though they could go into the temple proper itself, um, they were still looked at with uh, disdain and with suspicion. We're going to see that in our study, in the historic part of our study as we continue. Uh, what they're hearing is good news. God completely accepts God completely accepts these nations who had been drawn to them as they would believe. They became believers. They became uh, members of the household of God. Um, in, 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 to summarize what we've been talking about, to summarize our, our discussion, uh, this morning and, and regarding Israel's calling that, that Israel would be a light to the nations not only Israel in the sense of, of Messiah coming and being born as a Jew and being living as a Jew but also in addition to that Israel itself and, and Messiah certainly is the chief representative of Israel drawing all nations to him Israel is given this unique duty to draw all nations to him the Torah draws men to the wisdom of God uh, the Torah is a is a draw to those who look for uh, look for uh, what is right and just around them. Certainly, it provides the base for all civilized society. Even though those who who live in such societies uh, may denigrate it, as as we see in in America with the denigration of the Ten Commandments, yet they don't know that it is the very basis for their laws that brings such ordered society, even to those who do not know God. And, and we also see then as Messiah, as King of Israel, as the chief representative of Israel, as the servant of the Lord, who also draws all, uh, all men, all the nations, to the God of Israel. This is good news. This is truly good news. And as we, as we look at uh, this study of uh, of, of in, of the epistle of Galatians when we get into chapter 1 it's going to talk specifically about the good news so we're going to come back to this what is the good news this is certainly good news is Antioch in Antioch uh, Pisidia where Paul and Barnabas uh, specifically uh, told the Gentiles that they could be a part they could be a part they could have a part in the world to come through Messiah and through the work of Messiah um, let's close in prayer this is, uh, this is the Elena prayer uh, it is our duty to praise the mass of all, to ascribe greatness to the molder of primeval creation. For he has not made us like the nations of the lands and has not emplaced us like the families of the earth. For he has not assigned our portion like theirs, nor our lot like all their multitudes. For they bow to vanity and emptiness and pray to a God which helps not. But we bend our knees, bow, and acknowledge our thanks before the King who reigns over kings, the Holy One, blessed is He. He stretches out the heavens and establishes earth's foundation. The seat of His homage is in the heavens above and in His powerful presence is the loftiest heights. He, loftiest heights. He is our God and there is none other. True is our King. There is nothing beside Him. As it is written in His Torah, you are to know this day and take to your heart that the Lord is the only God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is none other. Therefore, we put our hope in you, Lord our God, that we may soon see your mighty splendor to remove detestable idolatry from the earth and false gods will be utterly cut off to perfect the universe through the Almighty's sovereignty. Then all humanity will call upon your name to turn all the earth's wicked toward you. 
All the world's inhabitants will recognize and know that to you every knee should bend and every tongue should swear. Before you, Lord our God, they will bend every knee and cast themselves down. And to the glory of your name they will render homage and they will all accept upon themselves the yoke of your kingship that you may reign over them soon and eternally. For the kingdom is yours and you will reign over all eternity in glory. As it is written in your Torah, the Lord shall reign for all eternity. And it is said, the Lord will be king over all the world. And on that day, the Lord will be one. And his name will be one. Amen.